Is there anything on that list that you're interested in speaking about right now? The two which came to mind were the hair secrets, but the one which was almost overrided that one is experiences with influencers. Okay. Because this is potentially part one of... of <laughs> maybe there, there are so many episodes. Um, and I think it will be... It'll be amazing for us to share our insight with influencers. Many of the questions that we received in the past is, how do you deal with influencers? How do you recruit influencers? How do you gain loyalty from influencers? Am I paying too much for influencers? It's, it seems part and part that if you have a brand, a company which is almost e-commerce based and you have a Instagram page, that the next step is influencers. Everyone has seemed to clock onto their, their necessity. However, the moment in which you clock onto their necessity as a 16, 17, 18 year old, or someone coming into this much later in your thirties, you realize that, well, there are so many, who do I target? How do I know that I'm getting value for money? Is this even the right way to go? Am I doing what the bigger companies are doing? So I think there's, there's so much around influences, which I think someone who is starting out a brand or a company needs to know. Um, and I think there's a great deal of experience that we have that we could share for free. I completely agree. So let's dive into it. First of all, what, what is an influencer? So the thing is, as soon as you mentioned that, 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 that brief, in my head, I was like, I'm hearing the word influencer. And I use the word influencer so much that it's just lost meaning to me. So many people claim to be influencers. But how, how would you define an influencer? The truth is, I think so many people claim to be influencers because they are. We all are. We are all influencers. The moment in which you have a social media platform, you are a communicator, you are a journalist, you are a vehicle, you are a, a branding machine. You can sell something or present your opinion as being golden a true influencer is someone who's able to influence a significant number of people now significant number of people depends upon your stature as a company um, a brand like nike might be going for influencers who have millions of followers online etc the mbappes of the world um, the williams sisters etc etc someone who's just starting out who has decided to create a lipstick brand might be targeting an influencer on Twitter who only has maybe 2,000 followers. And I say only 2,000 followers because that in itself is somewhat impressive when you actually step back and think there are 2,000 people following this person online, even though many people have that commonly. So in short, an influencer is someone who has a following of people, X amount, who have bought into that person's opinions and can potentially be persuaded to do something because of that person's opinions. Now that might be to visit a specific environment. It might be to make a specific purchase. I agree with everything you said. I think there's probably one element that I would caveat. And you mentioned that influences of people with a social media presence. I think it, I think it's broader than that. I think, Influencers are people in your workplace who have significant sway. There are people in your community who hold um, a, a certain position of authority. Um, 
their church ministers, politicians, um, sports stars, etc. And there are multiple. Maybe watch. Exactly, and you know there are multiple people within your ecosystem who have a have, have a voice that is is authoritative, and I think that that term authority stands out to me, which is when they speak, people listen and they trust. Um, and I think that theme of trust will come out quite a lot with me, which is somebody who is an effective influencer is someone who is trusted by their community. Yes. Um, and that trust allows them to persuade, encourage, effectively change people's minds. Um, mm. I think all, all of the things you said, I agree with. Um, I just broaden it out to when people look for an influencer strategy, they don't even necessarily need to start online. They can actually start with who's around them in their ecosystem. Definitely. Definitely. You look at community because Instagram is overplayed and you mentioned trust and trust is the fertilizer, but also the death of influencers. Um, fertilizer in that they garnish trust very quickly and very early. They were trusted because they were personable. They were speaking from a place of vulnerability. Um, but in some respects, that trust has been lost. And we're almost like speeding to almost maybe the end of this talk. But I can't help but mention it because that trust is the thing which led to their growth, but it's also leading to many of their downfall now because many of them can't be trusted anymore because they're insincere. Um, they, I cannot be an ambassador for Reebok, Nike, Adidas, Puma and say that they were the best, for example. Um, there'll come a point where my followers will question my integrity and we've seen firsthand that um, influencers followers are extremely loyal. They buy into this person as if the person lives next door. Um, but that loyalty has to be protected because once they realize that they're actually being sold to and manipulated, they can completely turn on them. Um, so it's, it's a very delicate position to be in. You're absolutely right. And it reminds me of a Dave Chappelle joke where he's like, I've done ads for Coke and Pepsi. Um, and Pepsi's paid me the most recent, so it tastes better. <laughs> and that's it. And that's it. But, you know, as, as you say, you know, that the impact of somebody's uh, engagement or influence can wane if they are seen to be um, working for all of the, the players in the ecosystem. Um, and that's, that's, I guess, a bit of advice for influencers in that you want to be seen as credible and trustworthy yeah. in order for your brand to hold its weight long term. Yeah. And to have a long term strategy because you often say that uh, many of these industries are smoke and mirrors. Um, I think many of the influencers haven't pivoted quick enough. Okay, you now have your following. What are you going to do with it other than try to constantly sell to them everything? I, I have my 100K following. Um, I can't sell them Puma, Nike and Adidas. It will, uh, there's a lack of integrity there. What I need to do to really monetize my platform is to think, okay, who am I as a brand? What can I create to sell them, which is authentically me? Because they've already bought into me. 
So me selling me is not being disingenuous because that's what they already bought into. Yes, uh, and that, that takes creativity. So I think for, for a lot of influencers, the strategy is I will become a conduit for other brands. Yeah. So I, I, I have a channel which m- multiple people engage with. So any brands that I think has value can sell their products through my channel. Yeah. And that, oh, that only has temporary utility. The real answer is, okay, well, if I have a channel, then what products and services do I want to create for my own channel? Things that are sustainable, renewable, um, and things that represent me. Um, And I think we're we're kind of steering into uh, an advice session for, for, for influencers here. And I think part of that is because we've seen a lot of people do it right and a lot of people do it, do it wrong. But I guess, maybe back to our, our challenge, which is as a brand ourselves who need engagement with influencers, first of all, what is the process of identifying a good influencer? So we just started a brand selling shoes, for instance. How do we then go about identifying somebody to work with, to collaborate and to support our vision? I think the first step is not necessarily identifying the influencer, but identifying the key customer base and knowing who is going to buy your shoe. Um, there'll be different segments, different potential customer bases, but who's, who's the core customer base? What are their interests? And who do they then potentially gain influence from? Whether that be out of social media or in social media, but focusing on in social media, that person who is that X age, who likes those X things, who are they following and why? And then once you've identified that group of who they're following, then you're able to almost segment that group again. There'll be the upper echelon who you wish you could get in contact with. You're going to throw a few long balls, see if they'll actually potentially respond. They're probably not going to because currently you have 50 followers and they're all your school friends. Um, Then there's that, a second and a third tier, that second tier of people who are established, they've really made it. Um, they've still got that core follower who've been with them from the very beginning, but now they're really getting industry money. Um, and there's that third tier of people who, okay, they've, they're still accessible, but they're the cool kids on the block. Their content isn't really polished, but they're the ones which you know, if they continue to do what they're going to do, they're going to reach that point eventually. And then you've got that bottom tier, if we're just saying that there's four tiers, which is your cousin, your friends at school, your friends at uni, your friends at work. It's almost everyone who's kind of fun, um, who's attractive, has got quite a few people following them. Now, if you're aiming for that second tier first, okay, going back to the fact that you know that your customer segment base are interested in this group, you're targeting that second tier, you need to be able to entice them with something which is of value to them now the first thing shouldn't just be your product it should be your brand um and i think I'll, I'll pause there in case you wanted to come in well i think that expands into a huge discussion which i, I definitely want to delve into but i think you, you you've you've highlighted a few things that i'm really interested in so the first point that you um mentioned was 
that you need to understand what your customer cares about. Yep. You identify your target customer. You want to understand, you know, what do they care about? What do they engage with online? Now, the failing would be to look at shoes and say, mm -hmm. I'm a shoe brand, so I'm going to be looking at my customer, um, you know, my, my potential customer based on shoes. Your potential customer may not actually spend much time on social media engaging with shoe brands. Um, but what do they engage with? So if you can, can you repeat that again? Can, can, only, I, I heard what you said, but that's the golden nugget. Can you just say that again? <laughs> I forgot what I said. No, I'm joking. Um, yeah, your potential customer may go online and engage with content that has nothing to do with your brand. That doesn't mean they're not accessible. Um, okay. So there's, a, there's an element of empathy in understanding what is a day in the life of your target audience? You know, what do they spend time looking on social media for? What do they spend their, their leisure time doing? Um, and how, how can that potentially intersect with your brand? Um, and that's really important because once you understand that your type of target customer goes to art galleries on a Saturday afternoon or goes to Box Park on a Friday night, then you've actually got a way in. Yeah. Not through shoes, but through arts or through food, yeah. for instance. So there are other ways to engage. And by reaching out to influencers in that space, you have a better chance of actually getting to them in areas that they care about. I mean, the other point that you made, which I think is really key, um, is um, the point around where do you start? Now, you can throw a couple of those long balls, those Hail Marys, to see if you can get somebody who's got half a million followers on, so, on, on Instagram. But we now live in a world where your 16-year-old cousin somehow has 10,000 followers on IG. Don't ask yeah. me. She doesn't know why. <laughs> we know why. But she doesn't yeah. know why. Only got three posts. <laughs> yes. So there's, there's an element of almost situational awareness. Um, understand what resources are actually at your disposal. Would your 16-year-old cousin, would your friend from work who also has a large engagement and doesn't really, um, does, does, doesn't really make very much use of it, could you engage with them to actually see if they would help you promote your brand? And there's a challenge there. Because they've got a large audience doesn't mean that they've got a large engaged audience and doesn't mean that they've got a large audience which is relevant to you. But it's a starting point. And I think it's yeah. a really useful thing to start off um, with. Now, there's, a, there's an interesting uh, paradigm or, 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 or concept around human engagement. So the average human being in their lifetime engages with, with about a thousand people which seems quite low considering now we're in social media times. A thousand people, you could do that on a Saturday. But the average person in their day-to-day -day life engages and work, knows a thousand people well, which means that you're one person removed from a thousand, which means you're two people removed from a million. It means that you, based on you knowing a friend of a friend, you actually have a connection to a million people. Um, and that million people isn't isolated into you know the UK. That's a million people all over the world. Yeah. So by thinking about who is a friend of a friend, 
you actually broaden out who you could actually reach out to. So that first, yeah. that first contact to a potential influencer may not be a direct contact between you and the influencer. It may be you speaking to your friend and asking your friend, please can you introduce me to so-and-so? Because yeah. I know that you guys are friends on LinkedIn or you guys are friends, friends on, on Instagram. Now that goes so much further than, I know you don't know me, but I really want us to work together. Yeah. If somebody is a successful influencer, they see that a million times over. Um, so that's on a daily basis. Exactly. Um, but kind of uh, moving on from that, you are about to go into um, another topic, which I think is absolutely critical, which is once you've actually found an influencer, and maybe you don't necessarily have a great relationship with them yet, um, how do you go about getting them to buy into you? I've always believed in Maya Angelou's quote of um, people won't necessarily remember your name. They won't necessarily remember uh, how you look, but they'll always remember how they made you, the way you made them feel. Um, and I think it's crucial that we remember that these are people who are constantly being interacted with, constantly being um, almost potentially manipulated or influenced to do something else. Um, I've got to say that you wouldn't be able to influence influencers. What is of value to them? Um, what things are people not necessarily doing which you could potentially do? Uh, one instance was we gave hampers to some of our influencers in the past. Um, a very small gift compared to the kind of gifts that we give on a normal basis. But that gift was thoughtful. Um, it, it gave them a lot of sugar-coated sweets that they could actually devour. It gave them something artistic for them to post. And it just showed that we actually genuinely quite cared. Um, taking a note of things which matter to them, taking a note of their birthdays and remembering their birthdays, promoting them as much as you're trying to get them to promote you. In the early days, I realized that many of those influencers, remember those second-tier influencers I was speaking about previously? They're trying to become that upper echelon, that fourth tier. So they're looking for pro promo. They're constantly promoting themselves. So you're really trying to get them to promote your products or service. But really, they want you to be able to promote them in general. Yeah. Good night, Jeremiah. Good night. Good night, Jeremiah. See you later, JJ. Take him up. <laughs> he's, he's so desperate to get in the call. Yeah. Good night. Um, as I was saying, so they are keen for promotion themselves and actively promote what they're doing. Um, don't just use your page to promote your services and your products. Promote what they're doing. They will appreciate that because they see that actually you're not like everyone else. And everyone else includes some of the bigger companies they're working for who have a very formal contract, which is you do this for us, we give you this, that is it. You want a relationship with these people, someone which is fluid. You want to be able to respond to their ridiculous queries at ridiculous times. And you want to be able to show up and remedy problems when other companies have failed. One prime example, there was a, a major influence we were working with, we're a hair brand, and she was meant to receive hair from another company. At this stage, I'd got used to our influencers using other companies, no more tears at this stage. Um, she messaged me uh, by a text message, not DMs, because we got to the point where I had her number, she had my number. That's it. 
and said, oh, this, this was meant to come through. They've messed up. She didn't mention which company. It was irrelevant to me. Can you please come through for me? Filling in the gaps, I realized, okay, she's probably got a hair appointment booked with a stylist who she's probably trying to promote also. Now the hair's not available. She's got a major issue. She's going to disappoint the stylist who thinks there's a potential partnership there. She's also going to disappoint whatever event or occasion she's set up to go to because we're not the, the big deal. The stylist isn't the big deal. It's that date that she has, that graduation that she has, which she's getting her hair done for. That's the big deal. But there's no hair. She contacts us. Do we feel some kind of way because she was actually going to go to someone else in the first place and promote them? No, we fill the gap. Fill the gap. <laughs> bag, as the young people will say, just fill the gap. Be present in that moment and ensure that that relationship continues. Um, you mentioned previously about the almost degrees of separation, like your one to 1,000, two to a million, et cetera, et cetera. When it comes to actually securing that relationship with the influencer, remember that influencers are human. So one thing that we did really well in the past was that we, we didn't just target individual influencers, but we targeted their social sphere of influencers. Now, we did this for two reasons. One, if you're an influencer and I'm working with you, but I also work with your friend who's also an influencer, you both probably have intersecting followers. Now, your intersecting followers are both seeing, are seeing both of you use our brand, which emphasizes the validity of our brand in their eyes because it's not just Ambassador A, it's also Ambassador B, and I like A and B, and they're both using this brand. Why am I not using this brand? So they're seeing it more often. So that's the first benefit. Second benefit is you're, you're bringing their friend in to something that they're already in. You're identifying, oh, that... Ambassador B isn't as big as Ambassador A, but I'm seeing that they're pretending to be friends. I mean, that they are actually friends on social media. <laughs> that was too. That <laughs> they're, they're actually friends on social media. Let me actually see this as a good opportunity to help Ambassador B up to be on that same path so that they can both be under that same banner, that identity. So we had LVH dolls. We had an identity that they had, a branding, like a, an image that they could uphold. So I think that's, that's, those are really good ways. Remember that's about relationships, thinking about their sphere of influence and how you can help their sphere of influence, thinking about how you can promote them because they are promoters, but they have something that they wish to promote themselves. Do that. There's a lot of golden nuggets in what you just said. I think one of the headlines that I'll take away from what you've mentioned is a very important lesson, which is, there is no room for bitterness in business. Um, yes, the influencer that you reached out to six months ago when you had um, five followers was very rude to you and didn't really want to talk to you. Now that you've got you know, 10,000 followers, they're looking at doing some sort of collaboration with you. Listen, we're in, let's do it. Let's get involved because there's no room for bitterness in business. Um, you didn't understand my value, but then again, why should you understand my value? I only had five followers. You know, mm -hmm. you get on the wave early, but you're trying to get on the wave now. You want to get on the wave when we have 10,000 followers um, on, our, on our way to, to 100,000. So I think that's a very important lesson that I've taken away from that. And I think the other thing that I, I, I'll talk about is a shift away from partnership to relationship 
to friendship. Um, and this doesn't just um, apply to engaging with what we call influencers. This applies to business as a whole. That's significant, that partnership, relationship, friendship. And I'm gonna allow you to speak, but I just wanted to say that again, so in case anyone's actually making a note of that, because that's, that's powerful. Partnership, relationship, friendship. And, and let's just look at it practically. You know, <laughs> if you speak to one of your friends on the phone right now and ask them to do a favor, somebody who cares about you and someone who you care about and say, listen, really need a hand. Could you do me a favor? Could you promote, uh, you know, I've got a yoga class that I'm, I'm looking at doing during this period. Could you promote it on your social media? They wouldn't think twice. They'd po po post it immediately. Um, and that's the position that you really want to get to with influencers, where they're not just looking at some sort of deal that they have with a company. They're looking at doing a favor for a friend. Yeah. So how do you get to a point where you are in relationship with these influencers or even friendship? It's stepping away from this kind of transactional relationship of, you know, you do something for me, I do something for you. Or what a lot of businesses try and do is you do something for me. Um, full, stop. full stop and actually well I actually like this person as a brand and I want to encourage their journey I want to support them and so I will actually do more for them than they're doing for me um, and I'll do that without expecting anything because I actually like their journey and I'd love for what I'm doing to be associated with them they may never engage with me but I'm actually looking at doing what I can with my resources, limited as they may be, to support them on their journey. And they may reciprocate, they may not. Um, but I think it's very important that we actually step away from this kind of transactional view um, to a view where we're actually looking at supporting people. And when we actually step into that environment, we notice that people are more receptive to our requests yeah. because they see us as supporters, they see us as advocates. Um, and I think you speak about adding value a great deal. Can you expand on that? And what, what you mean by adding value? So when, whenever I step, in, step into a, a, a space where there are expectations for me, those expectations are probably clearly outlined um, by a customer. And the customer could be your mum, for instance. If your mum says, go to the shop and you know, fill up the electric meter, she's the customer in that and she has an expectation and she comes back. Now, how do I add value in that situation? Maybe I look in the fridge and notice we're out of eggs and milk. I'm going to the shop anyway. So if I come yeah. back with some eggs and milk, I've just added value in that situation. My yeah. customer has an expectation and I've come and added value. I say, mm. Mark, I noticed that we're out of eggs and milk. I've got eggs and milk, in, I put it in the fridge. Yeah. Those, those are the things that you can do to actually change the perspective of your in your, 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 your network or of, of your stakeholder because they look at you and they perceive you as somebody who's going to exceed expectation, go above and beyond. And you do that for your friends. I do that for the people that I care about. Um, yeah. if, I, if, if I'm um, in the shop and I see, I don't know, a, a chocolate bar for, uh, that, that I know that a friend of mine would like, and I know I'm meeting up with them later on. I'm going to buy that chocolate bar and say, oh, I, I saw this and I was thinking of you. Here's a chocolate bar. Or if I'm watching a video which really makes me laugh and, I'm, and I think to myself, oh, yeah, you know, so-and-so is going to like that video. 
I'm going to share it with them. And that just builds a level of appreciation. It, it builds a level of intimacy with the people that you're engaging with. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's really important. It, it's about shifting that expectation from, okay, this is a transactional relationship where I do something for them and they do something for me to a relationship which is more based on, well, I just like this person and I actually want to support them in their journey. And hopefully yeah. they, they support me too. And that, there's another rule that I just want to tease out from that, which is you can't work with people you don't like. Now, I, I think it, it, it's somewhat battle or it's somewhat conflicting with the idea that there's no bitterness in business. But if you actively are opposed to the approach or um, uh, that morals, that morals of, of, a, of, of an influencer or, or, or business, you can't work with them because effectively what you're doing is you're saying that my brand supports what they're doing. Yep. Um, so what you want to be able to do is say that I like this brand enough, but I would support it if I got nothing out of it. Identify those people and then you're doing things out of a genuine place as opposed to doing things out of a level of expectation. Mm. No, I definitely agree. I think it's, it's one of the key pillars of our success in terms of adding value both for our customers but also our influencers and just being able to say that we gave them more than what they gave us on every single occasion is crucial and there are two things that i want to share two very i guess relatively <laughs> form part of that i think the first one is around this these principles aren't just relevant to your relationship with influencers this is relevant to building a network in general if you want to have a strong network of businesses potential customers influencers advocates stakeholders etc you want to be able to give as much as you can to them and that even means your suppliers so people that are actually supplying into your business what are you doing for them to make their lives easier yeah whether it being um in, engaging with them during good times and you know, increasing the amount that you're spending with certain suppliers. One idea I heard, which was very novel, which is actually just writing a, a personal handwritten letter to your supplier yeah. and showing them what their involvement is doing for a wider audience. By working yeah. with us, you are allowing us to do X, Y, and Z. Once again, this is exceeding expectations. This is adding value, which means that maybe there's gonna be a period where things are rough. And you can't pay those suppliers as well as you could before. But if you started building a relationship with them, then potentially when things are rough, they'll give you the benefit of the doubt. You've been a loyal yeah. customer of ours for a very long time. So we're going to extend you a line of credit. Mm. Um, or we're going to provide you with uh, may maybe a, a wholesale price different to some of our competitors. Um, so I think that's one point that I really want to to highlight which is it's not just relevant to your to your influencer community it's relevant to your to your wider network um and the the other point that i think is also quite relevant uh during this period is i guess the the importance of well, it's, it's, it's gone for me what was i going to say um previously it's like, it's like you were speaking about win-wins and when, when you were talking about it, it really highlighted that <clears throat> many of us aren't taught from a young age to go for a win-win situation. Mm. 
And I think that's something <clears throat> many people take into business where they're trying to succeed alone. And they almost feel that their success is only, it, their success is predicated by other people's failure. And that's not necessarily the case, um, especially when it comes to your suppliers, your customers, and your, your ambassadors. You, you want them to win. Um, the more people winning around you, the stronger you are. That's a really important point. Yes. Um, that, that paradigm of win, 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 lose, etc. I think is really important. If you're going into negotiation with somebody, the best possible outcome is that they win. And so do you. If you go into a situation saying, I'm going to walk away from this situation, getting the best that I can possibly get, the best deal, the lowest price, and they walk away thinking, oh, you know, we really got screwed over in that deal. In that moment, you might think to yourself, yes, I've won, but mm -hmm. is that person going to do business with you again? Probably not. Is that person going to advocate for you in, in, in difficult times? Probably not, because they see you as the type of person who is going to, to milk them dry. I mean, that's a really important point to, to, to highlight. And it's actually, it's, it's prompted me to remember the other point that I wanted to make, which is vision. Um, yeah. Which is, when you, when you start a business, when you've got any initiative that you want to grow, you need to have a vision which is motivational. You need to have a vision that gets people off their feet because they believe in it too. And yeah. it's so important when you go into a negotiation with someone, that you actually share what that vision is. This is what I'm trying to achieve. Um, uh, you know, and this is how working with you can help me achieve that. Um, because it's, it, it takes it away from, once again, that transactional relationship to something which is a lot more aspirational. Um, and by sharing a vision that actually motivates people, once again, it encourages people to actually support you. Um, and that goes for any relationship that you have. And the importance of communicating that vision is key because one of the things that I um, practice, no matter what environment I'm in, is I share my vision for the future, but I also share what I need to make that vision a reality. It doesn't matter if the person I'm speaking to is relevant to that vision or not. Reason wow. being, the reason being is because, as I said, we're two people removed from a million people. A good chance, there's a good chance that the person you're speaking to, if they can't help you with that vision, they can connect you with someone who can. So yeah. sharing your vision for the future and sharing what you need to make that vision a reality is seriously key. And I think that's a, an important lesson when we're speaking, to, speaking about ambassadors, because ultimately you want those ambassadors, you want those influencers to actually buy into your vision because not only will they ride for you when, they re when you request it, but it'll also ride for you when they think about you, when they just, when you come up in their, 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 um, in their thoughts. Anytime they think about that vision, they will then be prompted to consider how they can support you. Definitely, definitely. So we've spoken about the recruitment of influencers. We've spoken about the treatment of influencers and, and who they are. Um, I think it might be a good time for us to speak about some of the challenges with influencers for someone who, <laughs> either is currently going through it or in the process of potentially recruiting influencers. So um, what would you say are some of the challenges with influencers? I think we touched upon it quite recently in that 
one of the key challenges with with influencers is loyalty now i say that with a caveat because there's no reason why an influencer should be loyal to you they're not family you may do a bit for them but ultimately they've got their own interests their own values at heart and eventually you might get to a point where your values become misaligned but it's a key challenge for any business um owner to, to, to ensure that they maintain a level of loyalty with their influences, with people who are actually advocating for them. Because as soon as that loyalty goes out of the window, then that actually could have a detrimental impact on your brand. If somebody leaves your brand to move and start working with a competitor, people looking at that will start to ask themselves the question, why did they leave? Why did they yeah. leave? Um, the, the simple answer may be because somebody is paying them more. But mm. the perception may be a falling out, maybe poor quality, maybe um, you know lack of professionalism in that company. Um, so I'd say maintaining loyalty and fostering loyalty, I think, is a key challenge. And understanding that um, you know influencers have got their best interests at heart and not yours um, is a key thing to to consider during any relationship. So that's one challenge that I think is really important, and I'm sure you'll have some points to, 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 to elaborate on. Actually, go for it. Is there anything that you want to add to that? I think that, that's, that's a key one, loyalty, and <clears throat> deciding on what your expectations are of them early on. Sorry, I've got a cold. <clears throat> Not COVID. <laughs> um, do you expect your influencers to be loyal? <clears throat> if so, for how long? I mean, there are many of us who expect them to be loyal forever, but by default, it's impossible for them to be. Not because they couldn't, but because it's not attractive for them to be so. So the question is, how can you make it attractive for them to be loyal? Um, because I don't want to say it's impossible. Um, how can you make it attractive for them to be loyal? Two, if they are not going to be loyal, are you able to identify that early and put measures in place to either delay the point in which they join someone else or ease the transition for them to come back to you. <clears throat> for us, we understood very early on that for some of our influencers, um, I think about someone like Sakenza. I mean, when we worked with Sakenza in the early days, she hadn't worked with any other hair company. And it was crazy for me to think that because now she's just massive. Um, but at the time she hadn't worked with any other hair company. And I remember her messaging me and saying, I would actually like to work with, who was it now? I think, was it Virgin Dynasty, American hair company now? It'll come back to me. Um, just to broaden her portfolio. And I had to appreciate that whilst it hurt at that time, she was within her right to do so. But the good thing is we made the decision to, to stick with her. Yeah. So although she's worked with several hair companies since that time period, she's continued to work with us. And it's acknowledging that there might be influencers who will work with other people. Is that okay for you? For some people, it won't be okay because of the nature of the business. If it is okay, then keep that relationship. Keep it going. Don't become bitter. Um, another challenge is around <clears throat> payment. Hmm. And I, I well, wish well, I knew... Hold, hold that thought for a second, because when you mentioned... Um, 
uh, Sequenza, it, it prompted something, and I think payment is a key key thing, remuneration in general. But just yeah. to add to that point, disloyalty isn't necessarily a bad thing. And what I mean by that is sometimes it's best for you to encourage disloyalty in the yeah. sense of part of your aim as a friend in, in this instance is to try and identify the best for the influencer. And the best for the influencer may not be you. It may not be you as a company. And sure. once again, coming back to the, con the concept of adding value, if you really do support this influencer's journey and you have identified an opportunity to, for them to grow, which may conflict with your ambition, it's still in your best interest to identify it on their behalf. Because what that demonstrates is you actually care about their growth. And yeah. Yeah. supporting their growth can only benefit you in the long run because, well, for two reasons. Either they appreciate the growth um, and they, they, will, they will support your journey um, as a result, or they grow even bigger and you've learned a big lesson about how to help people grow. Mm. And you can apply those lessons for yourself. So even if they decide to become massive and they disappear and you never hear from them again, the fact that you were able to identify how to help somebody grow means that you are learning skills which help you grow in the future. Definitely. So that, so that, Definitely. Was, just, that was just an add-on to that, but you're onto a really interesting point about... <laughs> this, this, is a <laughs> this is stuff that could get edited out, <laughs> but this is interesting. Um, I wish I remember the figures for the article, but I remember reading an article recently about um, an influencer on TikTok who had significant followers, but was earning around 24,000 a year. And the article was around, can these influencers actually make a living? And we know that they can. But what it highlighted is that irrespective of his numbers, he wasn't making that much. Now for some people, 24K is a significant sum of money. Um, but for other people, with what they're investing, it's not enough. Now, I raise this because many influencers go in and want to monetize their platforms and they want to make as much money from it as possible, which is fair. It's good. That's going to become your career. Fine. Um, but you as a brand need to realize whether you are willing to pay influencers or not, or not and which influencers are willing to be paid. Um, in our history, we've only ever, I was about to say we haven't paid anyone, We've only ever paid one, and that was around in like 2016. And I, I can't remember her name, but I do know that I still have her number. But we, even then, we never used any of her posts. And from that point, we just made the decision never, ever to pay the money. Now, I say pay the money because Abby stresses that, that we are paying them. The, the value of what is being given to them in terms of the product, the additions to the product, it's, 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 it's going into the hundreds, um, well into the hundreds. So they are being paid, but it's not pounds sterling or dollars. So can I ask a question around that? Is that immoral? Is that immoral? Oh, not at all. No. Okay. Let's, let's reverse engineer it. Um, I approach you. I am selling... I, I'm, I developed a new sneaker spray, a spray for trainers. I know that everyone out there wants to have their 
trainers stay white. I know that people are experimenting with baby wipes and water. They're trying to get the right solution. Some people will use a toothpicks to keep it clean. Um, but I've come up with a spray which keeps it crisp clean. Now, I want you to promote it and I give it to you for free. For some people, they'll say, well, you've been given this product for free. Irrespective of whether the product's going to sell for $5.99 or $59.99, you've been given it for free. Um, that in itself is payment. Other people would suggest that, well, you want them to post it on their page. Thus, they should be paid to do so. And there's a fair argument there. However, I decide which one I want to do. Um, I don't have to go for someone who needs to be paid. I can opt out of that and say, actually, I'm going to focus on my micro-ambassadors, which we'll speak about in a moment, and choose to only target them. Those who appreciate that what I'm giving them already is of great value. The shoe spray analogy works to give a, a mirror, but doesn't work to mirror the value of the products we're giving. If you're giving them something which is of three, four, five, six hundred pounds, and adding a service on top of that, which is of another hundred pounds, should they really be given pounds sterling dollars after that? For me, no. See, I disagree. Um, first disagreement, um, but, but, but somewhat, somewhat we're on the same page. I think we should, I think we should um, pay uh, ambassadors based on the value that they bring. But I think what, it needs, what we need to do is demonstrate the value that they bring. And I think some ambassadors get very confused about the value that they're actually bringing, which is a challenge. And this is another encouragement to ambassadors for them to understand what value are you bringing? Um, so let's say, for instance, you're an ambassador and you send a post. That post may, that, that, you create a post for, for a company. That post gets a thousand likes. Um, as a business, I couldn't care less about the likes that you create for, my biz, for, for, for that post. You can create 10,000 likes. You can create a million likes on that post. That means nothing to me. Awareness in that instance is great, but does that convert into pound sterling? No. So what, let's say you actually did create um, a post which got a thousand likes. How many of those people who liked that picture then went over to my website? Okay, let's say out of that it was 10%. Um, okay, well, how many of those 100 people then went on to buy something? Typical conversion rate is about 2 to 3%. So that means that of your 1,000 likes, we've actually got three people that have bought something, which is fantastic. To create one post and get three people buying something from a post is great. But then how much value did you actually bring considering that mm. I still had to spend a lot of money on the product? So mm. let's, say I, no, let's say, for instance, those three people all buy 100 pounds, um, all, all buy a product worth 100 pounds. But in terms of the profit margin on that product, it's 10 pounds each, it's 10%. So that means that you, by creating a post, actually um, made me £30. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. Does that mean yeah. I give you £30? Well, if I give you £30, that means we break even. That means that I gave you £30 for no reason whatsoever. For you to actually, um, for, for this relationship to make sense, it means we both need to get something, which means that maybe I get £15 and you get £15. Maybe in a more... Um, you know, a more supportive environment. You know, you get twenty pounds and I get ten pounds. You created most of that ten that value, and you know, I'm willing to pay you for that. 
But in order for you to communicate to me that I should be paying you that 20 pounds and I keep the 10 pounds, you need to know how much value you're bringing. It's as simple as that. And that's the challenge I think that a lot of ambassadors and influencers face, which is they don't necessarily appreciate the value that they're bringing. They could argue that, okay, well, if it wasn't for me, you wouldn't have made those free purchases. You wouldn't have had those free purchases. So I should get 300 pounds or I should get 150 pounds because you keep 150 pounds, I keep 150 pounds. Well, that, that, means, that means I've lost a lot of money in that deal because of how much it actually costs for me to purchase that product and sell it and ship it, etc. If my profit margin is only 10 pounds, I make 10 pounds on each sale, then for free purchases, then I only make 30 pounds. Mm. But as soon as you as an influencer can communicate the added value that you brought to the table, the sooner we can have a discussion about what split of the profit that you get. And I think that's the key challenge for an influencer. And in some cases we have done profit shares and we have done um, agreements in that, in that way to support some of our ambassadors. Yes. But in general, I think the challenge is that some people create a post and that post gets 200 likes, but nobody buys that product. Nobody buys that product as a result of your post. And therefore, what are we really um, paying you for? So I think there's, there's that's an education. That's an education which many of them need, especially those who are looking to venture into becoming brands which lead to sales themselves. Um, because we've, we've had that conversation with ambassadors who didn't really understand how their value could be quantified. And all they saw was the fact that, well, last month, 14 people purchased using my code. They didn't realize what that meant. And they quantified maybe a hypothetical value for those 14 sales. Not taking into consideration the audience you mentioned in terms of, well, profit from each of those sales after VAT, after tax, um, and their actual work compared to what they actually want. So that's why my blanket statement is no. But you have reminded me that we, we have had agreements in the past with influencers who have worked and have shown a somewhat understanding of the conversion rate, but they do need the education. And I think Instagram is helping influencers, which is now you can see your insights. You can see the impact of your posts. So once again, my encouragement there is understand the numbers effectively. And if you are an influencer trying to make money, you need to what is the profit margin on the product you're trying to shift? And how much of that profit is the business willing to split with you? Because they're not going to give you all of it. Because if that's the case, then they will have no money in the first place to send me products for free. Um, but then the other question is, are you willing to... So let's, let's go back to that scenario that I mentioned, which is the £30 profit share. So let's say you encourage um, three people to, to, to purchase my product. Um, and out of that, those three purchases, we make £30 of profit. Fantastic. But what if I sent you a product which was worth £300? What if I sent you a product which was worth £350? So potentially, we've actually gave, given you more than you've given us in that instance. Mm. Because even if we don't look at it at retail value and we look at it at um, stock value, it's still going to be significantly more than the actual value that you've created for us in that instance. Yeah. Once again, I think there is an argument 
for an ambassador or an influencer to get some monetary value from their posts or from their mm -hmm. engagement. But they need to understand their numbers effectively so that they can push for that. Because if I'm selling you products which is worth 300, 400 pounds, and that generates me um, a 30 pounds profit, then I could start looking at it like I've made a loss in that situation. Um, so I, I think there's, there's, it's really important that people understand what value they're bringing to, to a scenario and what levers mm -hmm. they pull in order to be in a better negotiating position. And understanding their followers. Um, so I think some of our influences in the past, and I, this is an inference, I don't know if it's definitively, have almost been insulted when we've asked to see their insights. And there was one instance where I noticed that the insights which they sent us was not from them. Um, it was just very clear it wasn't from them because the, the background was different to the first picture that they sent. So I don't think they realized to change their background. But to understand, okay, who are your followers? So if this is a female orientated product and most of your followers are men, like you mentioned previously, you can't sell that to a company and say, well, I've got 60,000 followers. No, you've got 54,000 men looking at your pictures. <laughs> um, that doesn't help the female oriented brand, which is trying to work with you. So I think if, if people knew that, they would maybe tailor their posts to what they want. Because exactly. um, I have seen some who have almost accepted who their followers are and they've tailored their posts to that um, just so that they can one day reach that million figure. What they'll do with it then, I'm not sure, but it might be them literally selling football boots in the bikinis, which is just odd. Listen, listen, <laughs> listen do what you need to. If you've, real, if you've accepted the fact that most of your followers are middle-aged men, for example, then what do middle-aged men want to buy? Because you've, you've clearly developed an audience of engaged, for whatever reason, people. Then how can you develop a prop value proposition which is relevant to them? If they're looking at your profile every day, then that's an opportunity for you to actually add value to their situation mm -hmm. by you know, offering them products and services that they care about. So which is an interesting absolutely point. valid point. It's an interesting point because we have maybe a dozen influencers a day reach out to us um, wanting to work with us because they're interested in the products for themselves and not their followers. Yeah. Based on what we're speaking about, are we saying that sometimes some of these influencers need to start thinking about who their followers actually are and to really become a brand, a monetized brand, think about promoting products and services that your followers are interested in and not necessarily what you're interested in. You as a female influencer might be interested in getting your hair did, but your followers are middle-aged men. They might want to know the difference between golf club A and golf club B. You might need to work on your swing because that's my, what might give you that thousand pound check from Nike, for example. So are we suggesting that they need to start thinking about um, actually looking for sponsorship based upon their followers and their followers' interests rather than their own? Absolutely. And I think social media allows for what we call in marketing A-B testing. Um, and what I mean by that is you can put a post up um, for a, a, a short period of time and remove it and review the insights. Um, 
if you're if you're not sure about what your audience cares about, then you've got a platform which allows you to test that. Maybe one week you do a um, a, a whole set of posts around sportswear, and you see what type of engagement you get. You see what your insights tell you. And you you know if you don't want to have sportswear um, uh, posts on your website long term, then get rid of them. But then you can come back and you maybe want to try um, and and do posts promoting food. For instance, maybe it's takeaway services, Uber, Deliveroo, etc., and see what type of engagement that that gets you. And then once again, if you're not, if you don't want to have a, a, a profile page with those types of um, images on them, you, you get rid of them. Um, and the the value of the insights behind Instagram means that you can understand your customers very intimately. Um, but I, you asked me the question: um, Do you think? Um, our ambassadors or influencers should try to sell products that interest their customers or their in, um, their uh, followers rather than influencing them or interest of interest to them. Um, you asked me that question as a uh, 30 year old uh, mm. man who mm. has a following of 95% uh, women between the ages of 18 to 25. You're not selling them signed T-shirts of, uh, signed uh, Arsenal jerseys. You're selling them what they care about. So, and, and that's not just a piece of advice for influencers who want to galvanize their audience. That's a piece of advice to any business. You're never going to have a successful business if all you want to do is sell the things that you like. Yeah. You need to have a successful business by selling what your customers like. And sometimes those two things might be a mismatch and it's okay. Um, but you, I mean, if you become an artist who ends up selling their paintings for, you know, 25,000 pounds a pop, then maybe you can only sell things that you like. Mm. But while we're in the um, B2C space and in the commodity space, it's so important to understand what your customers like as opposed mm. to just what you like. That topic it, it takes us to what might be another topic, which is about romanticizing the way you get paid. Yeah. Because we know that that's an issue with many entrepreneurs, but many of our influencers are now entrepreneurs. Mm. Many of our influencers are now our competitors, which is a really interesting topic in itself. Um, so at some point we could potentially speak about the dangers with romanticizing how you get paid. I think, yeah, that's definitely a topic in itself. And I think the only point that I'll raise um, around that is the idea of starting your business and turning down opportunities uh, because they don't fit the path that you had set out for. Mm -hmm. If yeah. you have a, my, my, my advice there is if you've got a route map for greatness, or for success, that's fantastic. Hold on to that. But if they, if you reach a fork in a road and the sat-nav is telling you turn right because there's gold and you are planning on turning left, you need to turn right. Because yeah. we can't get stuck on that vision so much so that we start turning down opportunities. Um, and I, I think that's a, a bit of advice for anybody who looks to start a business or looks to grow a business, which is, the way that you thought you were going to grow your business is never going to be the way that you actually did. There are going to be opportunities that you weren't expecting. There were going to be obstacles that you weren't expecting. Um, 
and yeah, there, there, there are going to be insights and lessons that you learn uh, that are going to take you on a completely different path. Um, yeah. I guess the message there is don't be afraid to pivot. If it means that you end up, you end up selling something completely different, um, then so be it. Do you know how many boxing trainers wanted to be professional boxers? Yeah. They reached the fork in the road where they said, you know what? I can't become a professional boxer. I don't have it in me. But I've got a skill set and a toolkit, which means I'll be one of the best boxing trainers. Yeah. Don't turn down those opportunities if they come your way. Definitely. Wise, wise words. Um, I don't have any more points, really. Not on our experiences of influences. It'll be interesting to hear people's questions if they send them in in terms of we, we, we've touched on big topics around influences, but there might be some few nitty gritty things that people just want to know that we haven't really commented on because for us, it's almost second nature and we don't really think about it. Um, so that's why I'm, I'm really interested in, in what people think or what people are asking around the whole influencer game. Um, when you were speaking about pivoting and not being afraid to pivot and to do things differently, it took me back to the beginning and how at the beginning I didn't think about influencers um influences were a pivot i realized okay i need influences which is stating the obvious being a man selling hat um but what will happen when people need to pivot again when actually influences aren't that thing are you willing to do it or are you going to continue going down the, the yellow brick road that you've always done so yeah we're interesting to hear people's questions around influences and yeah their worth their value how to to love on them work with them appreciate them the, um, the pitfalls, et cetera, et cetera. No, it's, 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 it's really, really, um, re really key that I think we get that engagement and, and, and understand what people want to ask us. I think I've got my view of what people might be interested in, but you know, I could be surprised with some of the questions that we might get. I think the last bit of information that I probably would share is one, something that I've said quite a bit during this talk is, um, I've used the word ambassadors a lot, as opposed to influencers. And I've, it's almost, I've, I've almost slipped up a few times using the word ambassadors. Um, but that's effectively what, what they are. They are brand ambassadors. They are people who you have selected to represent your brand on your behalf. Um, and I think that's a, it's a very important thing to keep in mind because what they do, whether it's associated with you or not, is a representation of your brand and yes. we have in the past had to make some very difficult decisions when people's actions no longer aligned with our brand um, yep. i think that's the last point that i'll make um which is mm. you need to guard your brand fiercely and ensure that on camera off camera in front of instagram outside of Instagram, people are representing your brand in the yeah. way that you would like them to. That's such a valid point. Um, as we speak, we're speaking free flow, but I think if I'd really sat in and planned this conversation prior, one of the key things I've spoken about would have been the amount of times we've said no to influencers as opposed to the amount of times we've said yes. Um, we have said no far more times than we have said yes. And we have said no to people who we had once said yes to because of that um, brand association and integrity factor um, and the final point for me is around 
not being, don't get blinded by the numbers um, and know who is potentially of influence to your customers and find them early. One thing which we've prided ourselves in is being able to identify the next big influencer first and early and developing that relationship before they hit 10K followers. And you see them now and they've completely blown, but we were able through a scientific process to identify, okay, this person's next, they're gonna blow, reaching out to them early, getting them on board, and you reap the benefits of that. And I think going through that process of one, appreciating the micro ambassadors, they are far greater value to us than the larger ambassadors. And two, having a, a concrete scientific process in recruitment of influences that other people can do for you, that is a science, um, is, is crucial moving forward. No, it felt like we were about to end this conversation, but it's almost like <laughs> You just highlighted yeah. a couple of things. I'm conscious that this could run on, but what what time are we in? I don't even know how long we've been going for. But neither do I. Listen, I'm I'm gonna just keep talking anyway. Let's because there's certain things that like, that you've highlighted that I need to get off my chest. First okay. of all, it's not by accident the people that we've chosen, and I think the mm. fact that you highlight a scientific approach. I'm not gonna reveal the secret source, but mm. there, there's a very meticulous approach to identifying the type identifying the type of people that we work with. Um, I think it's absolutely crucial that you identify your metrics um, yep. and that you build a, a set of criteria that means that you know what success looks like. So these yeah. are things like engagement over likes. So it's all good and well seeing an, a, a post that gets um, 10,000 likes. But if there's zero comments underneath that post, that means you've got no engagement. That means people might see a pretty picture, but not mm. have any interest in what that person has to say or any yeah. interest in what that person is, is promoting. Um, so engagement um, is absolute, absolutely key. One more, mm. and I'm going to stop because that, that's when we start to dig into the secret source. But frequency, I think, is another key point. If you've yes. got somebody who is very influential, but they post once in a blue moon, chances are, that when they post about you, it's not going to get the type of engagement. It's not going to yeah. get the type of um, response that you're hoping for. We're looking for people who have a regular drumbeat of communication with their, their followers because that yeah. you know that they've built up a loyal, engaged audience who are actually willing to pay attention on a regular basis mm -hmm. to that individual. Mm. So there's definitely a science behind there. I'll say no more. There is a science. It's uh, yeah, nothing more. <laughs> nothing more. It's a beautiful thing. Um, and it works year after year. And and you raise another really interesting point, which is about micro um, micro influencers. Um, and one thing that you do extremely well um, is identify people before they blow. Um, and I'd like, I'd like you to maybe talk a little bit about that. So in, instead of maybe approaching some of the larger uh, influencers, people with larger audience, sometimes you actually reach out to people who have got very little following um, for, for yeah. a particular reason. And you know, what is that reason? Why do you do that? So why is because with, with a micro ambassador, 
if you develop that relationship, well, it's easier to develop that relationship with the micro ambassador because they are more likely to respond, frankly. We'll get responses from someone who has 200K followers, but the response from someone who has only 10 is going to be slightly different. Um, there's an opportunity to become a kingmaker, and that's one of your phrases. Um, if you reach that person and they don't have a great deal of followers at that time, um, a great deal of notoriety, you can propel them to a state where they will never come back and they'll always remember you for that, or they should do anyway. Um, how? Without going into extreme depth, um, looking at their persona in your industry. Do they have something which is endearing, which is just lovable? Are they someone who you can see people, once they find them, because people haven't found them yet, once they find them being enthralled by that person, it might be because of their aesthetics, it might be because of their humor, their wits, their communication. Is there something which just sets them apart? And there are, depending upon your industry, there are certain things you might wish to look for. I'm not gonna really delve into what we look for specifically, but by identifying those things, by looking at their frequency, like you mentioned previously, by looking at their association, which is also important, which I mentioned previously, by looking about at, at their engagement at that point in time and comparing it to their engagement previously and potentially just putting them on the back bench and then monitoring them over a period of months before you pounce and say, yep, it's right now. Once you do that, you're able to ring fence yourself from the point in which an ambassador wants a thousand pounds for a post because you can say, well, unfortunately I can't do that. I really enjoyed working with you. I look forward to working with you again in the future. And they say, okay, great. Thank you for being so nice. And you can have your new recruit ready in line. Who is someone who you can become a kingmaker to. You can propel them. You can educate them on how they can improve the quality of their posts and their videos because they're, they're still, they don't know who they are yet. Um, I won't go as far as saying that we've made them, not at all, I think they were always gonna get there, but we will give them valuable tips in reaching the numbers that they want. Will they eventually become that person who then wants a thousand pounds from you? Yes, we, we, we've gone through that. But because it's a science, you can repeat it again. So much. I've just taken away from that. Uh, the first thing that I'll, I'll highlight is trust. So why engage with a, a micro ambassador as opposed to somebody who maybe has 10, 20 times more uh, engagement online? One of the first reasons is trust. They haven't yet gone through the machine, which means mm. there's a level of um, authenticity mm. to what they're doing. And as a result, the people who are engaged by them still have quite a high level of trust. You know, yes. they're not just promoting because you know they, they're being paid a lot of money to promote they're promoting mm. because this I, I currently have a community with a whole bunch of my friends and i want to share this really interesting fa um hack or interesting product with a bunch of friends it's mm. less corporate and therefore more more genuine um yeah the other point which i've just touched on uh, now is around an engaged community I, I, I still am astounded by how some of our micro uh, ambassadors have got such high engagement. You know, for, for, a, for a, an, an ambassador who's got 
50,000 followers, they might have one, 2% engagement, which is a huge number. Um, mm. Still, you know, 2% of uh, 500K is still a large number, but that percentage yeah. is actually quite small. Whereas some of these micro ambassadors have got 20, 30% engagement. Everything yeah. they post, everybody who likes that picture also comments, also yeah. engages. And I think there's something in that, that you're actually creating a dedicated fan base there, which I think is really important. Mm. And the other point that you mentioned was around growth, which is these micro ambassadors don't always stay micro ambassadors. They might be the next major ambassador. So it's very important to identify who those people were and ingratiate yourself with them. And I yeah. think that what, what you said in terms of identifying some of these ambassadors, often it's because you like them. It's because they may not have a strong brand yet, but it's because yeah. you like them. There's something about them that you like. And listening yeah. to you, I wanted to quantify what that was. And I've come up with a couple of words. Personality, yeah. tenacity, community, and skills. Yeah. Personality, they might just be such a lovable character. They might be great yeah. on screen. They might just have that star quality which makes them charismatic and you're just like, I want to work with that person. Tenacity yeah. is you see that work with it. These people yeah. are putting in the hours. They're hardworking and there's something about that that I think is very endearing to me. When I see a worker, I go, this person is not going to fail. They're going to try and be successful to the very end. Community is what I mentioned about that level of engagement. If there's something about them, which means that everybody who follows them is highly engaged with their profile or highly engaged with, with their activity, it means that they've already got a cult-like following, which you could potentially leverage. Yeah. And finally, skill set, which is you know, there are certain people, I won't mention any names, who before they became as big as they are, were just doing certain things I've never seen before. The way they were putting yep. their videos, the way that they were constructing their, their stories or the way that they were um, just telling the stories, the way that they built a narrative or did their story times was just head and shoulders above anyone else. And even if yes. they weren't massive at the time, you knew yep. that they were going to grow for in, in the future. And I think, you know, understanding those qualities in people at a very early stage is how you can maybe get a bit of a competitive advantage over a lot of other companies trying to get that attention. Who are not looking at the micro ambassadors who are looking at a specific threshold and above you might be looking 50k and above or 100k and above they're ignoring a pool of wealth um one potential warning about micro ambassadors and this depends upon your industry is to remember that with some of them their their numbers are so small and that links to their age and taking into consideration their age and your products so for example we have identified in the past influencers who are going to be huge, huge, in like five years' time, because currently they're 16, um, 16, 17, and you know, well, their level of engagement is so impressive. They actually have a talent. They are uh, resilient and, and diligent in terms of posting frequently. However, their fan base, and it is a fan base, their followers, their community are 15, 14, maybe even 13 and you want them to spend 200 pounds, 300 pounds, they don't have that money. So really thinking about their followers and what their followers have, and not just their interests. Previously we spoke about their interests, but what do they actually have um, on those instances within our industry? They're not ready yet. You're absolutely right. And it, it highlights another point for me around safeguarding 
um, and exploitation. Um, oh. You know how I feel. I feel very uncomfortable when I feel like we're getting to a point where our relationship with someone is exploitative. And I think yeah. at some of those very young ages, which sometimes we just don't even know, we find out after the fact, oh, you're only 16? Um, yes. And there's a danger there. So I think there's, there's a level of distance for obvious reasons that we need to keep from, from certain people. Um, mm. And then there's the exploitation piece, which is I think we can help people along in their, their, um, journey. their journey. But I think when, when money comes into play, we want to make sure that the people that we engage with are at a level of maturity so that they can make sound decisions. Yes. Um, so in some cases, we've worked with people that we didn't know were very young and their parents were the ones who were actually, you know, helping them along and encouraging yeah. them. Into it. And, you know, where, when, when that's the case, fair enough. But at the same time, I still don't want to find myself in a position where I'm exploiting a young influencer who's on the, the way up. And I think that's another cautionary tale to young influencers, which is be very aware that people actually might be looking at an exploitative relationship with you. And that can yes. take many forms. Um, and the other aspect of that is, if you know that somebody's audience is young, potentially too young to be buying your product, even if they can afford it by stealing mum or dad's card and paying for it, you know, we've had to turn down payments. We turn down payments on a regular basis because we don't necessarily trust the source of the funds. Um, yes. And by encouraging people to purchase products to maybe grow up faster than they should be, um, oh. we're not necessarily covering ourselves in glory so I think those are two areas where I'm quite conscious that we oh. represent our brand in the best possible way really important points um, ethics have ethics with your brand and stick to them simple as yeah. and yeah just, just decide on what, what your values are and stick to those values if you believe that you don't have any values then you're not looking deep enough everybody's got yeah. values and you know some people's values are more sinister than others but understand how your values can actually manifest in business um yeah. you know some of our values um uh, manifest in 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 the way that we decide not to post certain images for instance um because they yeah. once again yeah. uh, start start to teeter on the on, on that fence where it might be exploitative or it might be you know in, in some way objectification um, yep. and, and for that reason I think it's really important to, 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 to do some soul searching and understand what do you want your brand to, to, to stand for and how does that actually manifest in your behaviours and actions well, and many people believe that eventually you and your brand will become one in terms of ethics um, not necessarily in terms of other features it might bridge over but in terms of ethics they, they should um you should be able to commonly speak about your brand's ethics because they should mirror yours um while she was speaking it, it crossed my mind that we never spoke about the ambassador register um yeah. and the importance of that frequent contact so um golden nugget we have an ambassador register um and that's literally a register of every single ambassador we've ever worked with uh well into the hundreds <clears throat> and details this is a real golden nugget. Details in terms of last contact, first contact, address, mobile number, date of birth, birthday. affiliate, birthday, what we last sent them, general comments, 
you're building a business. Um, so record and document all of this. It's, it's, it's crucial. It will be inevitable. It's, it's, it's crucial for where you are right now, but also potentially crucial for where you might be. Uh, this is the season of COVID-19. That data is invaluable and can't be sold to another company because that's just immoral and legal. However, that's within our organization. If we ever develop another company within our organization, we have all of that data. Um, and for those of you who understand what that means, that's incredible. Yeah, and, and I mean, over the years, we've worked with hundreds and hundreds of influencers. And the beauty of our influencer um, register is that not only are we identifying person, people who we could collaborate with, we're also identifying customers, people who actually will buy from us because they believe in the brand. So I think that's, that's, that's absolutely key. Um, as we're about to wrap up, I'm going to ask you, if for anybody who's watching this, listening to this, if you wanted them to leave with one single point, one single idea that we've discussed or something that we haven't discussed at all, um, mm. just, you know, if you, if, if you fell asleep halfway through and you're just waking up towards the end now, what, what bit of information do you want them to, 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 to resonate in, in their heads and think about for the rest of the week? So this talk has been about influencers, our experience with influencers. I think my one golden nugget is add value and treat them like they're human beings. Ignore the numbers and go for who you can add value to and they can add value to you. In your infancy, that person might only have a hundred followers or might not be on social media at all. Um, they might have a great deal of followers and you might actually be able to add great value to them. So ignore the numbers. But relationships, add value, relationships, ignore the numbers. With an asterisk in terms of Morgan numbers. <laughs> numbers great. Um, and I think for me, I would, I'd like people to think about what their vision for the future is. Take time to, to consider what your vision for the future is and how your business, how your initiative, how your project plays a part in that vision for the future. And then share it. Share it with anybody who will listen, but especially with your influencers. Try to create a motivational vision for the future so that people don't just buy into your product, they buy into okay. you. And even if you decide that you're going to pivot and do something different, they're not, yeah. they're not stuck on the product. They're interested in you and making that vision a reality. Yeah. All right. So we've spoken for about an hour and a bit. I don't know. It feels like... Oh, no. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's nine o'clock on Sunday and I think we started talking about 7.30. So I think that's about an hour and a half. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed this, man. Um, first, first, so did I. Um, so did I. I. I think that call to action again, I mean, anybody listening to this, if they've got questions about influencers, send them our way because I'm, you know, this was not a comprehensive discussion about engagement and influence. Um, so feel free to get in touch with us. We'll figure out where we're going to post this and how we're going to post it. But we really yeah. want to hear what you, you have to say. I don't just want to hear questions. I actually want to hear your nuggets of wisdom. I want to hear what expensive lessons, you know, you've, you've learned. You know, when did you pay an influencer and got nothing as a result? <laughs> um, 
but yes, please uh, get in touch with us, share your insights, share your questions, and we look forward to hearing from them. Maybe we'll start off next week by answering a couple, but yeah, we'll go from there. Last word over to Falabi. Yeah, and it's a, it's a thank you. It's a thank you to Abby and whoever might be listening. Um, this is all about expensive lessons and every, every session will be about expensive lessons. Those lessons are valuable, but only valuable when shared. So we're sharing ours. Please share yours, share your questions. Um, my name's Akulabi. We love what we do. We're behind under virgin hair. His name's Abby. Keep it behind under virgin hair. Um, get in contact with us. Peace. Thank you, bro. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, bro. Take care. See you, man.